Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of The Transcript Podcast. You've got me, Scott Krisloff. I'm editor of The Transcript, along with Eric Mokaya, our lead author. We sent out a new issue of The Transcript newsletter yesterday and had a lot of good stuff in there. The key thing that we were focused in on last week was the extent to which the Delta variant is impacting the economy in the U.S., and what we saw is that there was some impact, although pretty marginal at this point. There were companies talking about a little bit of dampening was what one restaurant company, Disney, talked about seeing some group and convention cancellations. So a little bit of impact, but overall, the retailers who reported, especially reported strong consumer spending, still plenty of foot traffic into stores and a really strong start to the back to school season in, in general. So I think the economy is still very strong, despite some marginal dampening from the Delta variant. Mokaya, you have anything to add to that? I think it's the same uh, thing that I noticed across the retail space. Uh, it's a little bit of marginal impact, as you would call it, and, but then mostly like uh, the consumer is resilient. I think the theme you keep seeing is, of course, the disruptions in supply chains that are continuing into this uh, second half of the year. And something as I really, that struck me a lot also was the fact that a company like Tyson Foods is saying that labor is the number one challenge currently. So they're really looking out for maybe that, the easing of that kind of labor shortages as they go ahead into September. Some statistics that came out this past few weeks is that the, the vaccine that we've been having also has the, the, its effects moderates with time. I think six months or so, so you need a third booster. So it was always interesting to see BioNTech and also Dr. Fauci come out and say that the third dose may be needed. So I don't know how available that will be in the U.S., how soon that will be available in the U.S., but I think in Sweden, I think there is a consideration of maybe early next year uh, for the third uh, dose for that matter. But overall, most of the companies that we saw this, the data and statistics for August, they are saying that the impact is pretty mean, not much to write home about there. I think expanding on the Delta variant stuff, I think anecdotally, what I'm noticing is that anything that is a personal decision, people are still pretty much making the same decision as they would have otherwise. There's some concern in the back of your head about whether you're, you're traveling as much or going out to restaurants as much. But for the most part, I see people still, you know, restaurants packed and people living their lives. But when there's institutional decisions, it's much easier for the institutions to decide to be much more conservative. So I'm hearing people like on the work from home basis. I spoke to somebody last week who was at a big, you know, Fortune 100 company that was talking about the company told them they won't go back to the offices until August of 2022. So a full year from now that they're already saying they're not going back. And everybody who is planning to go back to offices after Labor Day, I haven't heard anybody who's being forced to go back into offices personally that I'm talking to. So I think that's the divide on the, on the Delta variant in the U.S. right now. So I think uh, something I picked up from the Deloitte U.S., and they, which may explain a little bit of how in the, when people, it comes to individual decisions, people are more making the decision of, okay, it's here with us. We got to learn to live with it. What he says there, that there's a realization that with the Delta variant, that as it surges along, that COVID will probably with us, will be with us for a little while longer. So I think that's maybe pushing people to make that decision of, say, let's go out to just live life and try to be as normal as possible, even though we know like the Delta virus is there, as long as you're vaccinated and all. Do you think so? Yeah, I think so. I don't think anybody wants to go back to lockdowns again in the United States. There's no will towards that, especially when it's, it looks like you know 90% of 
the hospitalizations are happening among people who are unvaccinated. So really the, the perpetual spread of this here in the US is on the shoulders of people predominantly who have not been vaccinated. And so if you haven't been vaccinated, go get vaccinated. But there's billions of doses that have now been administered. So concerns about health effects, we would have seen these already pop up, in my opinion. I would agree on that because I think this past week, Australia went into a lockdown. And I think the kind of reactions that they've seen there, a lot. I think people are noticing that lockdowns may not be the best way to solve this. So you got to learn to live with the virus. Like tech precautions, of course, but at the same time, like, Life doesn't need to stop at the end of the day. Um, that's what I'm learning. So I think that, but as you go forward, I think uh, uh, maybe also stretching out to what the Deloitte US CEO said also is about uh, companies also still trying to figure out this work from home and work from office kind of mix. What's the best mix? I think some companies have already made that decision like, okay, until next year, uh, or at, even those who are very keen on having people back by September, I think they're delaying those decisions a little bit, especially with the size of the Delta variants. Something, as you said before, which we picked up was about the back to school. I think uh, lots of the retailers uh, were commenting on this. They picked a lot of quotes about that. So I think the, the way... The, de- the way it's developing so far is it's hitting past 2019 numbers, which tells you that uh, people are really, really looking forward to students uh, or kids being back in school. So I think it will be very interesting seeing how this plays out in September, October, uh, even as the cases rise and what people do with that also. Do you think so? Yeah, I think so. And we've been talking about this for several weeks now, about looking forward to the end of summer here in the United States. And people getting back into more of a normalized cadence of their life after we had this summer euphoria post-COVID vaccination. And so we really are getting into that. The back to, the back to school sales suggest that people are really excited to get back to a more normal phase of life. Uh-huh. Uh, and again, that's, that's the question. I think it's really, I, I think there's two motivations to the work from home thing. There's one, the institutions being more conservative But then also, I think people don't really want to go back into the office five days a week. So, you know, from that standpoint, the adults at least don't want to go back into the office. I think a lot of people want their kids back in school, though. So maybe something else that you were discussing before the podcast was about regulation in China. It's been impacting evaluations on tech companies. So I think they've taken a huge hit this past week. A company like Alibaba is actually 50% down from its October highs last year. And so I think it's it's the new development in China where there's some regulations come into force. So some are being uh, fined a lot. I don't know if you've been following that, but I think something that I saw in a lot of these companies which are listed in the US, but Chinese based is that they've had to comment about this, especially because analysts are asking them these tough questions. They're very conservative in their approach. They're more in line with whatever it is that the Chinese government wants to do. So that was pretty interesting to see. I didn't see anyone who's very coming out very strongly against our, uh, most of them just respond in a very kind of what do you call like quote unquote subservient manner? Like, okay, we will do whatever it is the government wants to do. So pretty interesting to see what uh, that turns out to be, uh, to be there. But most Chinese-based tech companies are uh, actually trading out multi-year lows in terms of valuations. So it could be uh, places to pick up if you, if you can handle the government risk there, there could be a, a place to go and pick a few, a few interesting companies to follow. Any thoughts on that yourself? Yeah, I mean, it seems like a 
good uh, value catalyst to have this going on. It was interesting, the quote you pulled out from Tencent, them talking about the internet regulation in China just being an extension of what's going on around the rest of the world, that a lot of governments around the world are talking about how to regulate the internet. And uh, you know, you have these very large internet companies that have not really had any regulation tied to them that are impacting public discourse and government and things like that. And so, you know, regulation is something that ha that's happening all over the world. And it also, you know, dovetails nicely into another theme that was in this week's uh, newsletter about the multiverse and the omniverse, whatever people are calling it now, which is potentially the next phase of internet engagement. We had a bunch of quotes in there. And I also saw last week a really interesting segment on CBS Morning News with Mark Zuckerberg, which was him doing a, a VR interview with one of the hosts of CBS this morning. And the reason I thought it was really interesting is because that's a very mainstream non-business looking for when you're going there. The omniverse seems to be coming and it's going to be, it could be very wild. It is, it is. I mean, the excitement you'd see in a lot of companies that uh, I think Facebook is leading uh, because I think when you read Roblox and all these kind of companies, they've been doing this for a little while. I think one of the companies said they've been doing this for 15 years, but then Facebook comes and says, okay, we are taking that and actually bringing it to your home, bringing it to CBS this morning. I think that's taking it mainstream. That's what uh, Facebook did to the metaverse uh, this past quarter. So I think now companies are being forced to also clarify, where are you in terms of also helping build this metaverse? One of the companies is also way ahead in, in that area is uh, NVIDIA. One thing that I've learned from this is that this is not going to be one company leading the omniverse. There needs to be strategic uh, partnerships between various companies. So in terms of if you're looking for a catalyst there, so you need to look for a couple, a couple of companies which are major players in that area. Some of them are NVIDIA, Roblox, and Tencent, and also Unity Software. This is, this is a theme that has come to the forefront, and I think it's, it could be time to actually really take a deep dive into that area and actually figure out a little bit more about what's happening as, a, as an investor. The NVIDIA CEO is very convinced that this is where you're going to get a lot of, I mean, the, the metaverse world is going to be way larger than our current economy. Uh, and it's really hard to doubt what they're saying. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine the speculative activity that would go on in the metaverse right now in this economic era? People will be buying land in the metaverse for NFTs also. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's all, it's an extension of all of that. So it's a natural extension of like kind of the crypto craze, which you saw, I think, in one of the quotes, uh, I think this past quarter, I think Robinhood had 62% of crypto volume just based on Dogecoin. So imagine Dogecoin in the metaverse now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think all fundamentally, is, is there going to be scarcity to any of this is the question. And if there's scarcity, there's so much money flying around the, the world right now that prices go up. Dogecoin doesn't even have scarcity though, right? <laughs> I have no idea what it is. <laughs> but it's it's a, it's a crazy time to be, I mean, it's it's an interesting time to be at these metaverse, Dogecoin, cryptocurrencies and all this, uh, which are supposed to power the next uh, uh, the next world kind of. So very interesting to see how this physical and the, the, uh, the virtual merge as we go forward also. Anything else that you might pick up yourself? I don't think so. I think that was a good rundown. So I should, maybe something else I, I added later was uh, there's a book I've been reading called Oversubscribed. Uh, it really fits in well 
know, kind of perfectly what we're building at the transcript in terms of, it says, it talks about defining your markets and knowing what people really care about. And for us, we care about earnings calls and our readers care about that. Dovetail, dovetails perfectly what you're building at the transcript. So it's a book that I would really recommend uh, anyone to read. So I had two quotes there. And I think one of them says uh, that your market is made up of the people who really care about what you do. And I think that's the kind of readers that we have and readers and listeners at the end of the day. So it's a really good book. I hope if you have time, have a look at it to pick more points and share with them, with our readers as we go along. So I think uh, we can stop there for this week. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and uh, hope to see you again next week. Uh, and from us here at The Transcript, we say bye.